0: It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy.
1: How about that, Kurt? Rookie Chase Claypool scores four touchdowns, one of them rushing and literally looked like the best receiver on the Steelers roster in their 38-29 win over the Eagles to improve to 4-0. I saw a tweet by ESPN's Field Yates. The Steelers did not use a single first-round pick on a wide receiver during the last decade. All they do is churn out wide receivers. It's unbelievable. It's unreal.
2: Oh, He's pretty amazing. I mean, I, I didn't expect this from him already, but he took advantage of an opportunity on Sunday when Deontay Johnson got hurt. He stepped right in there and the his size I mean Steelers haven't had a guy who can create mismatches like he can since Martavis Bryant was on the team that's something that Roethlisberger if he can find a big target out there he's gonna throw in the football so they found some nice you know matchups against linebackers and matchups against nickel corners and and uh really kind of let his his athleticism take over. Now, I don't know that I would necessarily plug him in to, to do that every week by any means, but it's like I said today in a piece, if, if Deontay Johnson can't stay healthy, which he's missed all, almost all of two games now, I think Claypool's going to have some chances. I think that once you earn Roethlisberger's trust, boy, you you'll get the football. You know, we saw him throw to Martavis Bryant. That, that's who I keep seeing when I when I come back to this in situations where you never thought he was going to get the ball. And uh, and Claypool's that same kind of guy. He's so big and so long, and and he he kind of surprises defenses with how quick he is. And yeah, that was a that was a fun one to watch. That was what ke- a what a yeah. performance.
1: What a performance. Yeah. You're right. Deontay Johnson keeps getting hurt, like right at the beginning of these games so like yeah, you can't stay on yeah. the field so i mean he's the guy that i expected we'd be talking about a lot this year but now it's it's other guys stepping up and man claypool i mean he wouldn't be the first name i would think of out of all the receivers that are just tearing it up right now in 2020 out of this draft class when you look at cd lamb and and all these guys you know judy and rugs and it, the list goes on and on and on and you got to add claypool to the list now he's just he's he's something oh, yeah. he's awesome yeah it's awesome yeah yeah there's another Steeler in the news a former Steeler. Uh, oh Kurt, that we got to talk about, right? I mean, Le'Veon yeah. Bell. This is a very interesting story. Le'Veon, as you tweeted, I think, I think you tweeted it. He was on pace for a, like a Hall of Fame career with the Steelers. He was yeah. just one of the best backs out there. Everyone was raving about his running style. Remember the, uh, you know, the kind of the dancing, waiting for the, yeah. waiting for the hole to open. Hit, you know,
2: hit the pause button. Yeah, and, yeah. exactly.
1: I mean, yeah. that was like all the rage. And then he holds out for that full season, right? Yeah. He he wants his contract. They couldn't work it out in uh, Pittsburgh. They weren't going to pay the running back. Which good job. Mike Tomlin and crew. There, I mean, you you don't want to dump all this money into the running back. Just you, you see this, like, look at Todd Gurley. Look at all these different backs yeah. that you overspend on, and then they end up on a different team three years ago. You know, three years later, anyway. So he gets his money with the Jets, but man, what a disaster it's been over there. And now he is a free agent, released by the Jets. So what do you think about this situation?
2: Well, and I actually wrote a piece about this. You know, how he was on pace, you know, six over six thousand yards rushing was the best receiving threat at, at running back in the league. He had the perfect situation. He, I mean, he really did. And, and he decided that in order to, to make this money, I am just going to do everything I can. You know, to, he, he threw his team under the bus. I, I, I've argued with so many Steelers fans today who continue to want to defend his actions um, before he left Pittsburgh. But he had told his teammates he would be there for week one. And then he didn't show up at week one. And a couple of weeks go by and he tells him, I'm going to, I'm going to be there after the bye week. Cause I think the bye week was week five. I'm going to, I'm going to be there after the bye week. Well then a couple of the players came out and the team was struggling and they're like, we don't know why he's not here. We wish he was here. You know, this is, this is getting kind of ridiculous. Then he claims that he got his feelings hurt. And so that's why he didn't come back. And you know, th- those are all just failings based on his ego. And once he did that, I was just kind of done with the whole situation. Um, when I heard he was going to sign with the Jets, I, I was so glad because I knew there was no chance for him to be successful in New York, especially not playing for Adam Gase. And and now it's just all kind of coming, coming true. I mean, he's, he's 28 years old, you know, he's getting really close to that Mark where we see so many backs kind of nosedive and he's another guy dinged up most of his career. Um, he lost huge chunks of two seasons in Pittsburgh with, with injuries. He uh, had two seasons cut short by suspensions. I mean, he does everything in his power to shoot himself in the foot and then wants to blame everybody else for why why his career hasn't gone the way he wanted. You know, he was going to reset the market. He was going to be the one. He passed up a contract just as good to stay in Pittsburgh long term. Yeah. Would have been on a better football team, but... He had to do what he had to do, and now he's probably going to go sign a league veteran deal somewhere. Maybe he'll play well. Maybe he won't. I mean, it'll depend on the situation. He he plays as hard as he wants to, and I, I, that's always been his thing.
1: Yeah, I, I'm glad you said that because I remember when he finally came back and signed the deal with the Jets. I'm like, that's the deal. Like uh, that's yeah. what you held out for the whole year for Le'Veon. Like what? Yeah. Like I I you, was surprised by yeah. the contract he ended up getting.
2: Yes, get sacrificed whatever it was, 18 million dollars on that franchise tag for that year to to get that contract. I, it was silly to me but he's always been the Instagram training video guy you know spends all the off season working out and videoing it and showing everybody how good a shape he's in and then pulls up lame with a hamstring or an ankle or whatever it may be and you know, it's, that's, that's always been his thing. And as good as he is and as much talent as he had, he's just not a back that'll fit with everybody. He just, he, he, there were times when he really didn't look good with Pittsburgh. I mean, there were times that when the, when the offensive line wasn't, wasn't playing the best that style of running the ball, you know, he struggled with it. I I think I, I've always been a little salty about the bell situation. I'm a little petty, I suppose, but I, I don't, I don't wish him well. I, you know, he had a chance to be part of something pretty special in 2018 and he he chose not to be and you know whatever happens happens at this point
1: yeah on the Steelers side too they just kind of took it in stride and just went with Connor and Connor had a pretty good year and they haven't really you know to their credit it's not like they were lying to Le'Veon when they said we're not going to pay this kind of money to the running back like they haven't gone out and gotten that guy when they could have right they just kind of stuck with Connor they haven't even brought in another they haven't brought in another high price back and no. i'm interested in what's bell's market going to be i agree with you 100 i think he's going to get some type of very
2: you know prove it one yeah. year yep that's what it's yeah. got
1: to be i mean he, he's getting his money from the jets anyway
2: six um, million or whatever from, sure. from the yeah. jets for the season so yeah
1: but you sound like there's no chances a, a Pittsburgh reunion.
2: I can't imagine Tomlin wants him back at this point because the fans I mean, want I, it. I, you
1: know, if you look the, on Twitter, there's the a fans lot of fans
2: want that do. Oh my gosh! I, I said today, I can't believe how many fans. When I made the comment today on Twitter that how many times is is he gonna fail? And people are going to try to blame blame someone else for his failings. I think it was Marcus Gilbert, he's played for the Steelers, sent out a tweet about how it, this this was all the Jets' fault. The fact that Le'Veon Bell didn't work out was all the Jets' fault. And I'm like, how many times are we going to do this? Yeah. You know, he he threw his coach under the bus in Pittsburgh. He threw his quarterback under the bus. Did everything but call Ben Roethlisberger racist for not for the way he was in the locker room. I mean, he he did everything he could to disparage his own teammates in Pittsburgh. And all they wanted him to do is come play football with them. And so now I would would beware if I were a team that, that took on him at this point. I mean, I know he tweeted out something about he's ready to got a lot to prove or whatever it may be but i don't know I, we'll see what happens he okay. i could i could definitely see him landing on a team that does well but i'm not i'm sure i'm not sure how much he'll have to do with that
1: it sounds like the jets have been trying to trade him for a while and they haven't had any suitors so it'll be interesting yeah. I, you know i think there'll be teams in on him, but mm-hmm. like we've talked about they're going to want it on a, on a very short deal all right i want to save plenty of time for our next segment because i'm really excited about it i know i already prefaced this with you kurt but for the people listening we got to revisit the helmet swinging melee the last time miles garrett was on a football field Mm. against the pittsburgh steelers and we're going to listen to the just the brilliant clip of joe buck and troy aikman on the call with eight seconds left in this ball game watching this whole thing go down and commentating on it and just being horrified and it's like it is gold so we'll hear that coming (laughs) up
2: fantasy football is about proving that
0: you are better than your friends sit them, start up These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends at a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com.
3: Corey Benini with the Huddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays for week six. Miami Dolphins quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick has staved off Tua Tonga Vailoa for now. Two quarterbacks have posted at least 32 fantasy points in five games against the Jets. And the other three quarterbacks, Jimmy Garoppolo, Philip Rivers, Brett Rippett, not exactly elite company. If wide receiver Preston Williams continues to come to life like we saw signs of last week, Fitz could be in for a huge fantasy day. Arizona Cardinals running back Chase Edmonds, not Kenyon Drake, has been the more Productive back this year in PPR scoring. Drake may have scored on the ground last week, but he has struggled to generate yardage per touch, and he's living off an extremely small sample size of productive play from last season. Not only has Edmonds been more productive on the ground, he's simply more useful in the passing game. Look for him to exploit a weak Dallas defense. Cincinnati Bengals rookie receiver T. Higgins should see an uptick in his work if A.J. Green's hamstring prevents him from playing. Look for the rookie to continue his nice rapport with quarterback Joe Burrow. The Indianapolis defense may have peered to be a poor matchup on the surface, but a closer examination reveals six different receivers have scored a touchdown, and eight players at the position have gone for at least 10 PPR points. Higgins offers major upside in the red zone. If you're looking to take a gamble at tight end with four teams on their buys, the Atlanta Falcons present a brilliant matchup for Kyle Rudolph of the Minnesota Vikings. It was actually tight end Herb Smith Jr. and not Rudolph who led the way last week, but the veteran tight end is a better bet for a touchdown in the red zone. No team has given up more touchdowns to the tight end position through five weeks than the Atlanta defense. For more fantasy football news and advice, make sure to check out thehuddle.com.
0: Here it is. Well, he tackled Rudolph. Rudolph didn't like the way that he was tackled. Oh, Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Rips the helmet swings it and hits it in the head. And then Ogan Joby comes up and hits Rudolph from behind. Beyond words, oh, Joe. Gosh, that's one of the worst things I've ever seen on a professional sports field.
2: You know, Joe, I would have been involved with these in the league office, and it would come to officiating first and then go upstairs for discipline, but This is beyond the normal discipline. This is beyond the normal fine. I think you're absolutely right. It's a foul period to take a guy's helmet off and swing it and use it as a weapon. Automatic
0: ejection by rule. But it goes beyond that now to uh, possible suspension. Of
2: course, then Pouncey was a Pouncey that was kicking and throwing the the punches. That's another one.
0: They're they're, they're, they're absolutely... I mean, this is multiple game suspension right here. It's just... I mean, I, I hate that anybody even has to watch this. Garrett brings Mason Rudolph down. And Rudolph is ripping at Miles Garrett's helmet. And then Garrett rips Rudolph's helmet and
2: swings it at him.
1: Oh my God, Kurt! It, what <laughs> what goes through your mind when you uh, listen back to that clip? Just tell me what yeah, goes through your mind.
2: I've watched that probably a half a dozen times already this week, and gone back and kind of relive that right? play. you Got to. And it's just it's such a it's just a, such an up and down thing. It's like the game was over. Cleveland was was going to win. I mean, there was no there was nothing to. to there there was no reason for them to have that sort of emotion during that play. Anyway, you know, you, you start off and it really is, you can kind of hear it with the announcers. They're not real sure what to make of what's going on for a second. You see Mason Rudolph and he didn't, you know, he definitely took exception to how Garrett took him down and he grabs Garrett's helmet as he's coming back up. And then Garrett just kind of lifts him up by his head. (laughs) And I mean, it was just so much, but I'll tell you the, the, the two biggest parts of that whole whole scene to me that get kind of lost was first the defensive tackle from the Browns that came in and hit Rudolph from behind. And then after said he didn't do it in a, in an interview in the locker room, but then the way Marquise Pouncey defended his quarterback and just went after miles Garrett, after he hit him with that helmet was just a crazy scene. You've got David DiCastro laying on top of him more, I think to protect Miles Garrett from Marquis Pouncey than anything else. Sure. He was picking at him, <laughs> punching at him. He I don't doing think everything. was going to stop. I mean, I think DeCastro probably saved Garrett that night because Pouncey even said after I, I was ready to, to pay bail, you know, that was, I was ready. And so that, you know, that's just one of those scenes that I've been a football fan for more than 40 years. And I don't think I've ever seen another play. Happen that way. I I don't think I've seen a lot of fights. I've seen guys tear helmets off. I've seen guys throw helmets at each other, Um, but I've never seen a play between a quarterback and a defensive lineman go down that way. Usually it's two big linemen and they just have enough of each other and they decide they're just going to go. But to have a 220-pound quarterback and a 295-pound defensive lineman going like that, I mean, you just, you know, it was after the fact. Everybody said they were really lucky that he didn't hit Rudolph flush in the head. I mean, who knows what would happen to him if he oh, did no, that. No,
1: Rudolph's lucky he's alive. He is. No, yeah. I mean, if the ta- yeah. what's the tail of the tape in that one? Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. No one's putting any money on the underdog in that fight. You know what I mean? And, no. and I remember it, no. Kurt. I remember it like yesterday because my wife, she's a Browns fan. She lived in Cleveland for a long time. She she roots for the Browns. So we watched that game. <laughs> and with eight seconds left, like you said, eight seconds left, the ball game is over. It's 21 to seven yeah. rounds. There's there's no reason to still be watching, but I still am watching for some reason, and I so I saw it all on the broadcast, and I disagree with Troy Aikman when he says, oh, I hope nobody ever has to see this or I hope no one ever, ever has to watch it back. I disagree. Yeah. I thought that was so entertaining.
2: Was I like, think it has to be watched all oh, the time.
1: That was the greatest thing I've ever seen. Now... It- I had no problem with anything that happened until Miles Garrett swung the helmet. I had no problem yeah. with him ripping Rudolph's helmet off. Nope. And if nope. he would have just chucked it in anger, just threw it like somewhere on the yeah. field and just yelled at him, fine. Yep. But as soon as he swung the helmet, that's where I'm like, all right, you're a psycho. Like, okay. yeah. That's where I cut that's where I finally draw the line, but man, uh-huh. that was so freaking entertaining. And I just disagree yeah. with Aikman. That Steelers will- fans go on YouTube and search it. You've got to watch it. Yeah,
2: yeah. that will go down. As far as Cleveland-Pittsburgh plays, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine. That play and the play a few years earlier when Antonio Brown on a punt return decided to stomp on the punter as he ran over the top of him and did that foot to the face, you know, it, that, that, that little video clip makes the rounds every once in a while. That that poor punter, Antonio Brown, started to jump over him. And when he realized he couldn't, he just stomped down on the guy's head. You know, those are two plays for me that I just can't ever watch enough.
1: Okay, I know the players and the coaches on both sides are saying all the right things. And I don't know, I just can't imagine there's not going to be some type of subtle response, even if we don't know it happens. The, the Steelers <laughs> yeah. doing, you know, doing something to Garrett. And Garrett's yeah. also terrorizing the league right now he's probably the oh yeah he's probably the best defensive lineman right now outside of Aaron Donald and he's just he's causing problems and you know what I'm I'm walking my take back on Ben Roethlisberger he looks he looks good he looks really good Mm -hmm. he continues to be accurate I think the elbow's okay so I think Steelers fans have been proven right that were uh, challenging me on that take I'm walking (laughs) it back however the man can't move Kurt he can't move he just can't Miles Garrett could definitely be a problem in this game.
2: Oh, and, and there could and Pittsburgh could be without Pouncy and DeCastro this week. No, oh, geez, you know, both guys got hurt last week. I mean, if they don't have, if they're starting, you know, basically a rookie at center and a rookie at right guard, they're not going to be able to help Villanueva very much out there. And so, I don't know. It's, I'm I'm a little concerned. My boss and I, who's a Steelers guy, we were talking about a little bit today, and he's kind of worried because there's been no mention of it that one of those guys could end up going on IR this week. Well, they just can't afford those kinds of injuries. They just, that, that offensive line is too important to keeping, keeping Ben upright that you start plugging in too many guys. Nobody's ever heard of, you know, miles Garrett could have a big day. It might come down to six offensive linemen, you know, yeah. 72 reporting eligible the whole game long. I don't know what they'll do, but yeah, I'm worried about it. I mean, I'm generally worried about the, the kind of impact Garrett can have on the game and, and where that's going to go. You know, if, if Pouncey does play, is he going to try to get a crack on Garrett or, you know, something like that, or if DeCastro's in there and he pulls around or they gonna they gonna send Vance McDonald in and he's going to try to take a shot at absolutely. him and something yeah uh, just something's we're going to have gonna to watch happen.
1: it yep we're going to have to watch for it something's going to happen absolutely yeah. even if it's within the, the the rules of play you know yeah. i don't know if it, yeah. no one's going to rip off their helmet and try to hit miles garrett with it you know they're not going to retaliate but
2: i don't think so it's something no. to keep an
1: eye on something to keep an eye on and man rivalry games are way more fun kurt when you know both teams are good and the browns are pretty good i think they got something going <laughs> on with kevin stefanski there much better than Freddie kitchens when he was running around last yeah. year okay so the browns yeah. look really good we'll We'll give our takes on this matchup here. Coming up, we'll be right back.
0: It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Esten McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook
2: Wire. Hello, I'm Esten McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slipping Podcast, and I'm joined by my colleague, Jeff Clark. Here's what you need to know to bet on the week six Sunday night football game between the Los Angeles Rams and San Francisco 49ers. The Rams minus three and a half favorites on the road. 49ers plus 160 underdogs on the money line. A low over under for this one of 50.5
3: points. Jeff, how do you feel about this game? Oh, I'm going with the home team in prime time. San Francisco needs this game like blood to keep pace in a tough NFC West. They're obviously very familiar with the Los Angeles Rams. And three in the hook is just too many points for the home dog. You know what?
2: I'm going to fade the team that just lost 43-17 to the Miami Dolphins in week five. Give me those LA Rams coming off a big 30-10 win against the Washington football team check out sportsbookwire.com for more with all odds from betmgm sportsbook subscribe to bet podcast be sure to rate and review all
1: right kurt so the steelers hosting the three and one browns they've won three straight and they're doing some good things on offense they're running the football now i know they don't have nick chubb but kareem hunt i mean it was questionable when they brought him in i know he's got off the field issues big time uh, i'm not sure about the character of him but man as a football player kareem hunt is awesome and this Browns offense looks really good, making up for some of the shortcomings of Baker Mayfield, I think. And the Steelers' defense, as Ryan Clark called them out on Twitter man they're statistically my Steelers D looks okay on paper yeah but I was expecting them to be special Kurt you know in the preseason yeah. I was talking about this defense and I had huge expectations and they're just not living up to it uh, that sight of Miles Sanders sc- scampering 74 yards to the house is just uh, you know mm-hmm. it's lodged in my memory from last uh. week you know it, it's not like they've been bad but they haven't been great and they got to be good in this game against the Browns because the Browns can they can move the ball in offense
2: well and they got to get a hot start because if you if you go back i mean i've spent the last couple of days really kind of looking over baker mayfield because his consistency i think and and his fit in this offense has been the biggest difference he he looks much more poised he he looks more under control and i'm a i'm a sooners guy so i was rooting for baker mayfield coming out of college but i think what you see is is he's kind of a, a a different quarterback in the second half than he is in the first half his first half tape looks tons better than his second half tape well Pittsburgh tends to come out a little slow come out a little flat in the first half mm-hmm. and then kind of crank it up in the second half so I really hope the defense is mindful of that and comes out in the first half ready to play because I think if they can hold them and keep them in check in the first half Baker's game just really kind of slides in the second half you know I'm not going to say it's conditioning I can't imagine he's he's not in shape but he runs around a lot and, and you know he's he's constantly moving and tries to make throws that he has 100% confidence that he can make every throw and when you've got Jarvis Landry and and Odell Beckham Jr. I mean you can you can feel that way yeah it's going to be tough for Pittsburgh that secondary is going to get it's their biggest test of the year by far they're, they're they've been leaning so heavily on that front getting pressure that you know when they can make. Travis Fulcum look like Jerry Rice. That's a problem. I mean, that's a, that's a real problem because there are a couple of guys they're going to play this week that are that are much more talented. Yeah. And and so I I do worry about that. That they, are they going to be able to double them? And what's that going to mean for Kareem Hunt if they got to pull safeties into coverage? Are they going to take advantage and run the ball more? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see.
1: Any casual fans uh, <laughs> listening to the podcast right now? Uh, the the name that Kurt just said is a uh, Eagles receiver, and I haven't heard of any of them on that team. <laughs> yeah. So I was trying to. I was looking them all up on Google. I'm like, who is this guy? So one thing I think is really interesting too, Kurt, the team leading the league in takeaways defensively this year is the Browns. They have 12 yeah. takeaways. So, I mean, Steelers fans, I don't know how they feel about this matchup. Maybe they're rolling their eyes and saying, you know, it's the it's the Browns. Yeah. We're not going to lose to the freaking Browns. And I agree with them. But this is a different Browns team. I I, I really think they're on the come. And that defense kind of stands out to me. Like Steelers have seven takeaways. The Browns have twelve, and at yeah. this point in the season, I would have expected that to be flipped around.
2: Absolutely, and the Steelers they've got they've had a very quiet seven takeaways. You know, Stephen 100%. Nelson got two picks last week that were pretty important, but aside from that, most of their turnovers haven't been flashy. They haven't been huge momentum swings. Yeah, you know, once Minka Fitzpatrick got on the team last year and got acclimated to the defense, I mean, that was that was why they won. Timely turnovers get taking the ball away, strip sacks. And I, we're just not seeing that this year. And uh, I can't put my finger. Exa- I know they're running a lot more zone than they did last year to account for all the blitzes, but yeah, the, the turnover thing, the only plus side to it is the fact that Pittsburgh's not turning the ball over. True. They're still, they're still yep. staying positive in the turnover differential. Yep. You know, Ben's taken really good care of the football other than a, a couple of Benny Snell fumbles. There really haven't been any costly turnovers by Pittsburgh. And that's the only thing that's saved him this, the, you know, to this point in the season is that They haven't given the ball up in situations that's them points, but eventually they're going to have to figure out a way to stop a drive with a turnover. And yeah, it, it better start this week because the next three games are going to be tough.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. You hit on it. I think the, one of the most surprising stats right now is they haven't taken the ball away with those fumbles and those strips, which they're known for. Yeah. And they get, they're always around the quarterback, it seems, too. They're always getting these sacks. They're not getting the ball out. But Baker's known to, to give a few away. So, yeah. you know, hey, I think the turnover differential will be something to look at in this ball game. So looking forward to it. I think this is a legit rivalry game with some good storylines, Kurt. This is going to be good. Yeah.
2: Going to be good. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be the game that either quiets everybody down about Pittsburgh or they can all say, see, we told you the, the, the start of the season, they were just playing bad football teams. So we'll know pretty soon.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, man, have a great week. All right. All right. Thanks.